0: Good Sunday evening, everybody, and welcome into it. This is the Rocky Top Rewind VolQuest Quest on YouTube. I'm Eric Kane. That man right there is Brent Hubbs and Tennessee, a 40 to 13 winner on the bayou. Uh breakfast on the bayou. They had lunch, they had a celebratory dip on <laughs> the day back 40 to 13. Went ahead 20 to nothing, led by as many as 30 in the second half at 37 to seven. Brent, this was a beatdown. Tennessee went on the road picked up its third win of the season over a ranked team. And, of course, we're going to get to the showdown that looms next week and all that, but what a win for Tennessee here on the road in SEC play.
1: Yeah, and I think the biggest takeaway for me, Eric, when you look at the stats and you look at everything there, it's the rushing yards that Tennessee gained, and it's the rushing yards that LSU could not gain. And we we talk a lot about the physicality and, and can Tennessee be physical enough in the line of scrimmage and – that was going to be a key coming into this game because you felt like LSU was probably the most physical team Tennessee had played, Pitt being the other the other team. But LSU had run the football for nearly 200 yards a game. That uh, they had um, not given up a hundred yard rusher to a Tennessee running back, and you see what Tennessee's defense did there uh, in the run game—just uh, 55 yards. Um, really, really impressive what what Tennessee did in the line of scrimmage. How do you not like what Rodney Garner's group is doing right now in the run game? Eric, he again played 12 guys. Uh, He did not play a guy more than 50 snaps in the game. So his rotation's getting a little more frequent, right? I mean, he's not just spelling a guy for six snaps, but he's he's legitimately rotating guys through. He's getting production from places I did not anticipate. I love what they're doing on the defensive line. I know LSU's offensive line was beat up a little bit and, and they were in a mixed match situation, uh, but against the run, man, this defensive front's playing good football right now. They'll be challenged on Saturday as we'll get into, but I was really impressed with, with both lines of scrimmage uh, on Saturday, uh, uh, you know, including the defensive line.
0: Yeah. As was I, I mean, this is uh yeah, you know they they have their shortcomings in defending the pass and all that, but and that's why and for LSU as well. I mean, you were down, you know, from the get go. You fumble that opening kickoff. Tennessee, you know, takes and scores on the second possession. Tennessee gets a massive punt return, and I mean, Tennessee had starting field position, what at the thirty-two and thirty-three, something like that, to begin this football game. So they were in position to throw the football the majority of the game. But still, this Tennessee defense, what it's done against the run, has been. Really, really good. What was it? 1.7 yards per carry to running backs in this football game. Something to that nature. If you take Jaden Daniels out of that mix, uh, really, really good. And plus, as you pointed out as well, what you're getting on the defensive line from these guys, Latrell Bumpus is playing his best football, in my opinion. 50 snaps the other day. Byron Young, 50 snaps. 53 snaps uh, for or Tyler Barron had 34 snaps. Roman Harrison, 42 snaps. You're spreading these out, and then you're still getting productive snaps from guys like Bryson Easton, Dominic Bailey, uh, you know some of these guys we've been focusing on the, throughout the year. So it's hard not to be impressed with what Tennessee did up front, both offensively, missing your starting left tackle, and defensively on that front seven defending the run.
1: Yeah, and, and again, I mean, defensively, they've done a good job with the run all year long. Offensively, we kind of wondered where this run game was, right? I mean, the, the Pittsburgh game, uh, Eric, you 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 know, Tennessee basically acknowledged, hey, we didn't think we could run it on them. Yeah. And so we just ran Hendon Hooker and that was not the case in this game against LSU. They believed in the run game. They stayed committed to the run game. They ran it successfully early. Eric, I think they had 14 yards rushing on their first four carries of the game. Um, that second drive, they went, they, they got slammed twice on second and third down there where they had to settle for the field goal after uh, the D Williams punt return. But other than that, they were pretty solid in, in short yardage situations and again, LSU had not given up a 100-yard rusher. Jabari Small, uh, 127 yards. Eric, I, this may sound crazy to, to you, and, and it seems kind of crazy to me. He's played differently since the shoulder deal. Yeah. I, I think I, I think he's played with more assertiveness. He's played even more physical. I, I think he's played much better football since he, he got hurt with the shoulder injury and missed some time there. I, I don't know why that's the case. But to, but to me, he, he's he been a different back since then.
0: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. He's running in front of his pads. He's got that good forward lean when he's running, and he's he's always falling forward, um, of course, against Florida. He had that one long run that kind of got him going up a little bit. Uh, but he ran so hard and so physical in this football game. And I thought Jalen Rod Wright, Jalen Rods continued to run hard mm-hmm. all year long. It's just, you know, he continues to put the football on the ground. Of course, this one went out of bounds uh, against LSU yesterday, so that was fortunate for him. But – um, any way you look at it, up on Tennessee ran the ball really well with those two guys. Dylan Sampson got in there. He got a couple of runs. They tried a little end around with Squirrel White, uh, you know, which, which gained about five yards. And so I just like the way that they approach the game. And of course, they're always going to try to settle the run. They're always going to try to get the run going uh, to begin the football games because that allows Hendon Hooker and this offense to open some things up. Uh, I saw it in the comment section. If, if, uh, if we could direct our attention over there, um, I just lost it. I'm apologize, but someone just commented and said, "Hey, the fans deserve a trophy for showing up." And Brent, you wrote a column on this post game. I was on the field with Austin Price there in that south end zone, and I mean, it felt like a home game. I mean, it really felt like a home game. Credit the Tennessee faithful for showing up, staying, and getting loud and celebrating with the team after the win.
1: You know, I, I, did the, I did my review piece today, so I went back and watched the TV copy, and, I, and obviously I don't watch the TV copy during the game with, with you know my radio responsibility. And, and I knew Tennessee fans took over at the end of the game, Eric. Um, you know, they all moved down to that lower section, and LSU was gone. Everybody was gone from LSU. But if you watch the TV copy and turn the audio up, you can very clearly hear the Tennessee fans after the opening touchdown. That they were they were loud and clearly audible. They weren't drowned out by the band, by LSU's band, or the LSU fan base. I mean, it was a very audible, very clear Rocky Top for, from mm-hmm. the opening kick, really for Tennessee. Um, I, I would say what twelve to fifteen thousand fans were there, I and mean, that whole upper deck across the way from the press box was full of orange. No. and um, what a showing! I mean, I, I know part of it's because Tennessee hadn't been there in a long, you know, in a while. Um, Tennessee was favored you know Tennessee fans <laughs> were expecting a good day uh, the opportunity to go hang out in New Orleans I'm sure was a lot of fun um, but but you know the fan base loves. they, they like this team they, they like what Josh Heupel's doing there there's a belief that their team's going to show up be ready to play and they're going to be aggressive and let it rip and try to stomp on somebody's throat if they can and and I, I think this fan base is gravitating to that and, and I think that that's why you saw them show up in force at Pittsburgh. And then they showed up obviously in force against LSU. Um, and then what they're going to do, what they're going to do on Saturday inside Needland stadium and, and outside Needland stadium leading up to kickoff is going to be something that I'm not sure we've seen in, in a long time, but kudos to them for, for showing up and, and showing out the way that they did. I, I was most impressed with, with the, you know, just the amount of people that were there really and, and and tip of the cap to the players and to josh heupel for acknowledging those guys after the game i, mm-hmm. I think that that's important to in, instead of just giving it a little lip service in, in your post-game press conference to, to go and and go up and down the line and try to shake some hands hop in the stands with the fans a little bit if you can i, I think that resonates with people i thought that was a really nice move by, by the tennessee program to do that
0: yeah it was cool and again uh you know being down there and getting some video of that and just hearing it and and seeing the uh, the joy and the emotion in the players' faces and, of course, the fans who were going wild. It was an awesome scene. Um, and and as, as Michael pointed out right there, you know, one in all four phases, offense, defense, the fans, and special teams, Brent Hubs, Special teams set the tone, and it's so easy. It's so easy to forget about the other phase of the game. But if you're a football fan, and I tweeted this out here in the game, if you're a football fan and you love, you love watching football, then you appreciate the way Tennessee plays special teams – uh, the other day, I mean, not just the long punt return, not just recovering a muff, uh, you know, kick on the opening kickoff. Uh, Chase McGrath, I know he missed the 50-yarder and hit off the upright, but he had four field goals. Paxson Brooks, um, he he had a punt down inside the five-yard line. Uh, Tennessee looked good. Tennessee looked good on special teams, and I think that unit needed that. The kickoff coverage unit has been pretty stellar all, all year long, but those other units, I think, need a little kick in the pants, and they got that at LSU. And And, and again, just saying, hey, offense, here you go go score a couple of we'll spot you 14 points and then let's see what happens and ultimately Tennessee ran away with it well and how, how about
1: Josh Hypel um, being committed to putting D Williams out there yeah. right hey it's your first college play won't you field the punt on the road uh in, in, in a stadium uh with the sun in your face and, and go and go see if you can make a play obviously he did a great job getting north and south but but again re-watching that today Eric Um, really great job by the, by the, the coverage team or the, the, the block, the blocks on, Mm -hmm. on that, with with that team, with the return unit, no clip could have been, could have very easily been a clip, did a really good job of getting position on that first block to get uh, D. Williams going same thing with the second block. Both of those blocks could have very easily been clips, little extra effort to make sure you didn't block in the back to get D. Williams going he's it's going to be a while before he lives down getting tackled by the punter. Oh no, but, but I mean, what, what a, what a spark and what a lift he, he gave you right there. And again, kudos to the coaching staff for saying, Hey, he's our best weapon. Let's put him back there. Let's see what he yep. can do. Cause you know, we'd all been wondering, you know, squirrel wide, they going to put him back there. He did something, you know, when his one punt return, they've liked D Williams from the time they signed him as a returner, Eric, and they were completely committed to getting him back there, which is great. Now, I would have liked to have seen them play D Williams more on defense, Mm -hmm. particularly in the second half uh, to get him some more reps and get him ready there. Uh, But no, you're absolutely right. Tennessee was terrific on special teams. LSU has been a train wreck on special teams all year long. They've had issues. Uh, Tennessee took advantage and was really good on on the special teams front um, yesterday, which was, which was really good to see. But by the way, keep the comments coming okay uh, ask the question if you want to in there we will try to get to more of your questions tonight we're hope to be joined by a couple of guests here Austin's going to join us at the end of the show I hope a, a VFL is going to join us here he said he would make it but ho- we'll wait and see I'm not going to promote it till he gets here but uh, hopefully he'll join us but go ahead and jump in with your questions and whatever you want to get to we want to get to as many of those tonight here's another thing back to the offense Eric while some of those questions come in and Um, we just kind of go through and and talk about this game here. I I think it was a big deal that Hendon Hooker only had to have 10 carries yesterday. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big lift for Tennessee. I don't know that Tennessee can run the football that effectively against Alabama. I do not expect that they can, but for Tennessee to be able to successfully run the football and not have to run it through Hendon Hooker is, is is a good move forward in the right direction for Tennessee in their run game. I, I think that's a big deal. I, I wrote this in in my review piece this afternoon. I think it's a win that Hendon Hooker played well yesterday mm-hmm. but didn't have to play great for Tennessee yeah. to to do what they did. Hendon Hooker didn't have to be 24 of 28 and rush for 100 yards and throw for nearly 400 yards. He was, by his standards and by his offensive standards, a little bit pedestrian at mm-hmm. times yesterday playing the quarterback position, particularly that stretch right after he took the big hit. And it and Tennessee didn't miss a beat, which I think is a is a really nice sign for Tennessee offensively.
0: You know, I said in the two minute drill, and I think I spoke with it with Jimmy Himes and given a practice for one time last week. Uh, you don't want Hendon Hooker to be your leading rusher every single game. Now, his legs are such a weapon that you want to utilize that in this offense, but not having to be Superman like he was, and you pointed out against Florida, just being just being a guy quite frankly, there t- towards the end. Now he did make a pass a field goal range, which was big. But he missed some wide open guys uh, there uh, in the second quarter when they're trying to drive to get a touchdown there before the half. Uh, that was after he took that big hit. And of course, that wasn't a run, but still, um, you just want to protect that body, obviously, as much as you can. So the fact that Tennessee was able to get good Jabari Small, um, you know, really just all game long and just – kind of kind of paved the way for that run game in that offense, getting four or five yards a pop. I mean, obviously he averaged nearly six yards a carry. Uh, that was huge. We got a couple questions in here, Brent, this latest one from Jake. And I uh, want to know, you know, Gerald Mincy didn't play in this football game, didn't make the trip. Um, obviously, Jeremiah Crawford got the starts, and Dane Davis got a little work in there. What do you see this left tackle spot moving forward after this win? That's a great
1: question. We'll see where where Gerald Mincy's health is. And, and I, I'm curious to see – kind of what the feedback from Tennessee is regarding how Crawford played. The PFF numbers were, were good, but but I think sometimes those are a little skewed because it, it's hard for PFF to know what every slide protection and what everything is. To me, it looks like J.J. Crawford or Jeremiah Crawford is the better run blocker between him and Gerald Mincy. But Mincy is more athletic and is probably a better pass blocker. But I thought J.J. Crawford uh, held his own a- as a defensive, uh, as an offensive tackle, which was a little bit of a surprise to me. The other surprise to me was that LSU didn't flip B.J. Ogil- Ogilari over to his side. I mean, Ogilari went against Tennessee's best offensive tackle the entire game. Maybe Ogilari can't play on that other side. I don't know, but, but that one was a little bit of a surprise to me. All right, we're going to get back to your questions. You want to take a break here right quick? Yeah. Eric, all right, let's, let's do a quick break, and then we come back on the other side. Well, this one's fun for me. He's one of my all-time favorites. He's a Bama killer. Leonard Little, former Vol defensive end, who had two of the biggest hits against Alabama quarterbacks, is going to join us on the other side of this break. In 60 seconds, he's going to join us to talk about his game, talk about the Crimson Tide, talk about um, – being involved and what he thinks about this Tennessee team as he's seen them throughout the year. That's coming up on the other side of the break here on the Rocky Top Rewind.
0: Welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind here on this Sunday night. Every single Sunday night on the Vault Vol- West YouTube channel, it is the Rocky Top Rewind when we rewind look at tennessee's win or loss from the previous day of course this one's a win 40 to 13 over lsu and then of course look ahead as well as we uh, look at tennessee's next opponent every sunday night at eight o'clock and brent hubs we got a good one on right now vfl joining the show
1: yeah (laughs) we've got one of the best ever um a guy who changed the way the game was played uh, uh from the defensive end position at the college game Um, in my opinion, and that's Asheville native Leonard Little. He joins us here on the Rocky Top Rewind, and there he is, my man right there. How are you, Leonard?
2: How are you guys doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great, Leonard. Thanks for taking the time, man. I know you got a lot going on, and I appreciate you taking a few minutes to join us here. Uh, Let's talk just how much have you watched of this Tennessee team? I know you've watched them some over the last year and a half. What are your thoughts as a former player on what Josh Heupel is getting done
2: with this program right now? I mean, he's finally getting the guys he need to basically uh compete with these bigger schools. So um the defensive line, the offensive line is getting better and that's the biggest improvements we are seeing such, you know, as of this time because you know, back you know back, you know, back, you know eight, nine years, eight nine years ago, we couldn't even compete up front, but now we're basically competing up front. And it's making our whole team better now.
1: Yeah, and competing up front is what Tennessee did against LSU. Five sacks, Byron Young had two and a half. They run a lot of stunts and twists and got him freed up uh, from that defensive end position. You made your hay playing there in the college game. What's the key, Leonard, you think, in today's game, um, and maybe compared a little bit to when you played, what's the key to being a, a good defensive end in today's brand of football?
2: Well, I think today is basically the same, but it's—I would say it's a little bit easier actually. Um, you know, back then, you know, people get an out formation, two tight ends, and stuff like that, and run dead at you all the time. But now it's more of a spread game now, so you get to pass rush a little bit more. So it takes a little bit off your body too, um, by pass rushing a little bit more instead of playing like a lot of run all the time.
0: Leonard, obviously, Tennessee's got a massive game coming up this week. Uh, it's obviously a team that you had a lot of success against it's Alabama Uh, individually that game, what does it mean to you? And, you know, what's the week like leading up to a big time rivalry game, like an Alabama game?
2: I mean, those practices basically was like the hardest practices, basically of the year. Um, We're getting, you know, we're getting geared up. Everyone's hyped that week and we know that's a game that we have to win. But, um, you know, now it's about respect. I mean, um, uh, we can beat everybody in the conference now. Alabama's been running the conference for the last ten years. And right now those guys are really trying to get their respect, the national respect, and respect amongst themselves as well.
1: Yeah, for for you guys, that ninety five game was kind of that moment, right? I mean, Alabama had the streak. Um, there was a lot of talk about could Tennessee ever get over the hump. That Tennessee team was a you know, you guys were a good team in 95, but everybody kind of said, I'm not sure if they can go to Legion Field and and get out of there and, and get a win. And you guys manhandled uh, Alabama that night. W- what do you remember about that week? We'll talk about 96, which I think Alabama was a better team in 96. But but that 95 game, what do you remember about that week? How did you guys manage it as the underdog and everybody saying, that, hey, you, you guys really can't go down there and knock them off?
2: I mean, you keep hearing that I I don't think we we didn't beat them in like nine years before then. So we kept hearing that every single day of that week. And we just got tired of it. We got tired of it. So when we went down there, we just felt like we couldn't lose the game. And for the game to start off that way, it really gave us the confidence to, to move forward and, and and eventually win it. Well, it eventually blowing them out that game. So um the first play of the game really, really set a tone and the defense that followed along with the offense was doing.
1: All right, everybody knows you set the tone defensively in that game with the, with the hit on Bergdorf on the option play. But where does where does that hit rank up there in the in the hits, Leonard? On the and the Leonard Little College collection for the Tennessee fans, there's photos of it. That's their that's their play. Where, where's that one in Leonard's world?
2: Really, actually, I didn't really hit him clean enough. You know, I caught him on my shoulder. I wish I would have hit him like more head on. Then it probably been even more bigger hit, but. Um, I think the hit. the Freddy's kitchens hit in '96, man. I don't know how he got off, off the ground. Like, I really don't know. Cause the couple times I hit him, I had a running start, and back then you can really, really hit guys really hard. So I don't know he, how he got off the ground. I really don't know. And one time I hit him so hard, and I stood over him, and he just laid on the ground. And I thought he wasn't gonna get up, but he's a tough guy. He got up, and you know, as uh. You know, those coaches teach those guys at Alabama. They're real tough guys. So, I knew he was going to get up and try to finish the game.
1: Yeah, and he did. That 96 game. By the way, if, if people haven't checked their history book, at Leonard Little was 3-0 and against the Crimson Tide, if you're, if you're wondering. That was a win at Legion Field uh in 95 and in 97, and then the, the game in Knoxville in 96. Two Similar to this game kind of coming up, Leonard, both teams weren't undefeated in 96, but both were in the top 10, which is a rarity – I think a lot of Tennessee fans in 96 didn't think Alabama was as good as they were. How big of a challenge was that team in 96? You mentioned the hit on Freddie. They were pretty relentless with with their run game and and the durability of Freddie Kitchens.
2: And also they had a great defense, too. They really held our offense down in the first half. And we still had to make some big plays in the second half to eventually win the game. But that was one of the toughest teams we played that year. I mean, we barely won the game. I think it was, what, 16-13, something like that? Yeah, um, was, we barely, barely won the game. And they was coming down to score to actually win the game. And we so happened to to get off the field. But um, that, that was a rough game, man. And those guys was tough that year. And like you said, a lot of people didn't give them credit for being as good as they were. But they, they was awesome. They was a good team that year.
1: All right, hold on a second, Eric, before you ask this question. I, I love Leonard's answer there. We, we happened to get them off. You got him off the field <laughs> at the end, dude. Okay? <laughs> I mean, you're you're the one on the fourth down play that that knocked Freddy Kitchens down again, and the ball fell incomplete because of the
2: pressure that you had, right?
0: Yep, I mean that's exactly what happened. <laughs> and <laughs> then exactly you
1: laid, then you laid there because you, your tank was empty, right? You were, I you was were exhausted. Done that one.
2: I mean, it was one of those type of games where, man, it was like a, a heavyweight fight. Everybody swinging haymakers the whole first half, second half, and it came down to that particular play to end the game. But it was a hard fought game, and I was, I think, I went to sleep for twelve hours after that game, but. Um, it was a hard-fought game, and get us get those guys credit because a lot a lot of people thought we were going to win that game, but those guys came in and played a good game against us as well.
0: Leonard, well, I want to ask you this question: um, how how difficult at times is it to you, for you to watch defense in today's game? Because you know, it, you don't want anybody to get hurt, of course, but. Taking extra precautions to protect the quarterback, to protect the receivers, and all that type of stuff. It's it's sometimes difficult, especially if you're a defensive back, but really just a defender. Sometimes it's difficult to play football nowadays. What are your thoughts when you watch, and what do you think about that?
2: Um, people always ask me, "Could I play in this in this time?" I said, "Yeah," because you know, um, as times change and, and a lot of other things change, you change the way you do stuff. So um, instead of hitting people high, now hit them kind of low and stuff like that. But if those rules was back when I played, I mean, it had been a lot of people out the next week because we'd have someone out for a full game the, the, the next week. So, um, I mean, I, I would say it's harder a little bit, but at the same time, good players know how to adjust and coaches know how to adjust as well. So, you know, everyone's trying to make that adjustment and they're, they're, they're doing a great job doing it.
1: Yeah, 95, 96, 97, Tennessee might have led the league in targeting penalties. Um,
2: (laughs) By far, by far.
1: (laughs) What's the way you guys win? And and you didn't play dirty. That's just the way the game was played at that point. I mean, you were playing through the whistle, and you were going to drive people into the ground when you had the opportunity to drive people into the ground. Uh, You won won an SEC title in, in 96, Leonard, or in 97, Leonard. What was the best team you played on? Was the 96 team the best team you guys had? Oh,
2: man. Um, I would say 95. Really? I would say 95 because you got to think, in that year, we went to Florida. We was up the first half. We would have finished that game. I would beat Florida. We would have played for a national championship that year. But we would have played Nebraska, but we would have played for a national <laughs> championship that year. So, um, I think 95 might – oh, man. I think 95 was – was a real good team. I really do.
1: Yeah. And and you guys were building at that point too. And you know what I'm saying? Like the fans could see, could see it coming because the 94 team had kind of come along and then you arrived in 95 to give it an influx to the defense. That 95 team was a team that fans fell in love with. Right. I mean, it it was, that was, that was the catalyst to get it going. There's some similarities actually to the 95 team, and this Tennessee team right now, if you if you look at it, I, you guys were better in 95 from a talent yeah, standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not suggesting that. But just in terms of the building process, there, there, there is a little bit of similarities between the two, I think.
2: It is, man. You can tell the difference um, between, even between this year and last year. I mean, the way the guys are playing, you got you know older guys mixed with younger guys. And um, that was the same way in 95. We had a lot of older guys, but we had some young guys that had to come in and play well and, and, you know, not lead the team, but to help the team out as much as they can. So it's kind of like the same mix of people and the same mix of players. But um, like you said, obviously it was a little bit more talented, but still it's the same process. And it seems like it's going in the same direction right now.
0: How difficult were those practices? I, I, I feel like and I've heard stories and everything about how it was it was such a, a battle, you know, Monday through Friday that on saturday of course i wouldn't characterize it as easy but you were prepared you were well equipped because you went to war every single day i mean how were those practice sessions in tennessee when you were there
2: i mean you guys great man those practice sessions can get really really intense up in there but <laughs> um we, 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 we had a bunch of competitors so when you get a bunch of competitors like that and throw them on the field together you're always going to compete you're always going to get the best out of all of them so um that's what we did every day you know with peyton and jamal and you know Al and you know the rest of the guys, man. I mean, we used to go back and forth like we didn't even know each other. But once we got off the field, you know, it was great then. And once we got in games, you know, it was it was easy then. But um, we we competed each and every day, and that's what type of players the coaches try to bring in to do that. And you know, helped us out, and we went out there and you know won a lot of games with it.
1: Uh, Two of the league competitors on those teams were John Chavis and David Cutcliffe rules went out the window. Didn't they Leonard after if if David Cutcliffe ran something and it was against a look that John Chavis didn't think that they were going to, that was not on the script. Then it became a scrimmage. It just became football at that point (laughs) on a Tuesday practice. Like you did something in nine on eight. You're not supposed to do. All right. We're playing football now. Right.
2: They just go back and forth, you know, worse than the players. So, um, I guess will, you know, that we have real competitive coaches as well. So, they it, it, you know, it worked its way down to us, and we're competitive players. So, it always something always having at practice where everything just gets thrown out the window, and we just start going back and forth. Man. Leonard, as we as, as go ahead, go ahead, Eric.
0: I was going to say, kind of on that note. Uh, you know, Rodney Garner, uh, old school coach. You know, he, he's set in his ways, and they they they've been productive for as long as he's been coaching in the, in the SEC, which is you know generation or uh, decades. Uh, what have you liked about Rodney Garner? What have you seen from this group in terms of the last couple of years or the last two years of them getting better under his tutelage?
2: You know, he actually was the coach, and I was there, so yeah. I've been knowing him forever. So, um, but they've been getting better and better. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season. You know, we really want to get to the quarterback as well, but now in the last couple of weeks they've been really, really getting at their running line stunts, the winning one-on-ones and stuff like that. So he, I mean, he's an excellent coach, and those guys are really learning under his tutelage. And I think they're going to be, they're going to be fine moving forward. Hopefully, we can play the same way this week that we did last week up front, and I think we'll be okay.
1: It's interesting, Leonard, and kind of their their defensive style up front, and maybe you can simplify it for a little bit. They want to get get upfield. They play a lot on angles. It's a little more aggressive, you know, and trying to be aggressive into the backfield as opposed to, you know, just kind of gap control and and, and just holding a gap a little bit. As a defensive lineman, I would imagine you like that style of play better than you do just kind of that hold up, hold your gap type deal, right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, you you love that style of play because you can get off the ball, get upfield, you know, create ca- chaos in the backfield. And if it's a pass, you're already upfield, so you can go ahead and rush the pass. So that's the type of defense I played on the Lovey Smith in the NFL. Um, you know where your gap is. You know, like, you can't come out your gap, but also, you know, you can shoot that gap and get upfield and create chaos in the backfield.
1: Well, Tennessee is certainly creating chaos. They're not creating Leonard Little chaos, though. They're not doing what you did at Tennessee Leonard, as we, as we let you go here, um, what, what's your, what's your best, give me a couple of your best memories of Tennessee and, and it could be a game. It can be off the field. When, when somebody says to you, Leonard, what was it like to be a Tennessee football player? How do you respond to that question? Uh,
2: That's a horrible question, really, man. Um, First of all, you're around the most passionate fans around. I mean, that, that is what it is. They love their football. They know everything about you. They know back probably when – they probably know your grandmother, your great-grandmother. They know everything about you. They but, knew you um, were a safety in high school? They probably did. I mean, someone <laughs> knows that. I'll tell you, someone knows that. And someone's going to make a comment about that because they know that. But, um, I mean, it was a great thing, man. It's nothing like playing at Neyland Stadium, especially the way it's going to be Saturday. It's nothing like playing in a, in a place like that because the fans are passionate. And, you know, the atmosphere, and, you know, you have the river there. You have everything you need, you know, as far as as a football player. But um, my most fondest memory is like winning, was winning an SEC championship because I never won a championship in my life. So that's the first championship I ever won. But um, my most – we can go my most non-fondest memory was not winning a national championship. That's what I really wanted to do. And I was kind of jealous with 98. When they won in 98, I was a little bit jealous about that. But – those, was, uh, those were uh those a group of my brothers, man. We grew up together in Tennessee, so I was just as happy you no know, for them as I would be anybody else.
1: Well, that you were you're were a huge part of laying the foundation for ninety-eight because without without what you guys had done before them in 95, 96, 97 to build that thing, ninety-eight doesn't happen. Man, it's great catching up with you. I hope you come over and see a game soon. We can catch up soon. It, it's uh, it's terrific to visit with you. Thanks for your time, and I know all the fans listening and watching tonight uh, give a big shout-out to you because you were always one of the favorites to watch play. So,
2: thank you, my man. It's great to see you. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'll see you guys Saturday because I will be over.
1: Ah, I love it. All right, come see me, my man. I appreciate I it, Leonard. All right, thanks, thanks buddy. Thanks, Brett. All right, thank man, you. thanks. Leonard Little. Eric, Eric, I mean, listen, when I covered him in 95, all right, you got to understand, I was – 20 years old, getting ready to turn 21. And, and he he could come across as as intimidating as anybody <laughs> ever on the practice field. You're like, I don't want to go near that guy. When he, when he was in a bad mood, you just didn't interview him, right? If it was not a good day of practice, you let him be. One of the best guys to have come through and played at Tennessee. And one of the – a huge game changer in what Tennessee was doing defensively when John Chavis took over as a defensive coordinator, what he built around Leonard Little and, and Al and those guys in 95 and 96 set Tennessee up on just an incredible run. So appreciate the time, his time with us today. Fun to catch up with him. Always one of my favorites.
0: Yeah, he was fantastic. And, and welcome. Welcome to college football. If you're 20 years old, try to graduate college and you got your first little reporter gig. Goodness gracious. Covering guys <laughs> like him. Yeah, welcome to it. Uh, well, he was fantastic, so I appreciate you linking, linking him up with us and hope everybody liked it. I know everybody liked it. Of course, you can always go back and rewatch uh, what Leonard Little said uh, once this live show is over. All right, we're going to talk more about Tennessee and LSU. We're going to discuss more of your questions, so keep them coming over here uh, in the question box. Just whatever you guys got, we'll get them uh, when we return here on the other side. Austin Price will join us here in 10 minutes. More on Tennessee's 40-13 to 13 win over LSU Welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind. I am Eric Kane. That man is Brent Hubbs. Tennessee, a 40-13 to win over LSU. And it's been a whole lot of fun going back and re-watching that football game, picking up on some of the things that we might have missed out on in real time. Uh, just a big, big-time Tennessee win. Uh, you know, special teams dominated. Offense did uh, well. And in defense, Brent, I thought, improved. We already spoke on a lot of scrimmage and defending the run a little bit. But I thought the defense bounced back. I mean, you allowed just 13 points. You knew the secondary wasn't going to be as bad as it was against Florida. Um, I wouldn't say that they were great, but I thought that they had a nice bounce back day. And the linebackers, I thought, played uh, a little bit better. Pretty much even even splits in terms of snap counts for Jawan Mitchell, Jeremy Banks, and Aaron Beasley, who I thought Aaron Beasley had a fine game.
1: Yeah, Beasley's the guy who just seems to find the football. And, yeah. and you know I don't know if he always goes the right way, and maybe there's some limitations of things he can't do. Uh, from a pass coverage standpoint, and maybe that's part of the issue. But his production compared to, to Banks and, and compared to Mitchell, uh, it, game in and game out seems to be better. I mean, his play on the fourth down stop, I mean, he shot that A-gap perfectly on the run play there uh, for the tackle. Jeremy Banks, though, had a really nice pass breakup in man coverage down the sideline. That was a really good football play. Maybe that would get him going a little better in pass coverage. Mitchell had a, a, a tip of a ball yeah. in zone, so – there was some positive things there. Uh, that group's going to be challenged, though, um, on Saturday. if Bryce Young plays, which I expect that he will. That'll change what Alabama can do with their receivers, those young receivers, uh, you know, getting better seemingly each week. So we'll see where they are and where Bryce Young is. I think the big thing for the secondary, when I look at this thing is they've got to tackle better um that they've missed too many tackles the last two ball games I, I think that in the secondary they missed seven or eight tackles in the florida game they missed another nine tackles in the lsu game according to pff i don't i don't know exactly how they break down a missed tackle but too many times you know on on third and long they're trying to keep the ball in front of them and rally to it for a tackle and they miss the tackle they've got to do a better job tackling they're going to have to tackle really well against alabama
0: yeah. Yeah, they will. Cause I mean, if you, if you miss a couple tackles, it'll line up, you know, one time I might, you know, spring them, they'll go score just whatever the case may be against good teams against the best teams like the Alabamas, the Georgias, you're going to play down the road, you know, the Ohio state, some of these other you know better teams around the country, you can't, you know, miss tackles against those teams or you can't, you know, have too many penalties, which I think Tennessee struggle with having a little too much penalties uh, on themselves against LSU. Like th- that type of stuff is going to get you beat. Um, But again, any game you're in, when you have a quarterback and you have a head coach, as I kind of transition over the offensive side of the football. I was texting you Saturday night when I was doing my rewatch. There were just some play designs that it's not like Hypo invented it, but, I mean, you just kind of bring into the game plan for that week. And it's just beautiful to watch, like the play concepts. I mean, one in particular was that, you know, fourth and inches or fourth and one or whatever, where you have man coverage, a linebacker on a running back, you shift. Jabari Small out, that linebacker follows you, do a Utah pass underneath, and you go and you, you go and get the first down. I mean, that's simple, but that's recognition of what you have and you go in and take advantage of it. There were a couple other play designs that I was talking with you about that I was really impressed with. I just think that, you know, this is one of those games to where there's been a couple, you know, while Josh heupel has been here, where I'm just sitting back saying, man, this guy, this guy gets it on an offensive end. Like he is him and Alex Golish, they got something good cooking.
1: Yeah, they absolutely do. Ben uh, Hall here has a question about breaking down Tennessee's receivers versus the Alabama secondary, and I'm going to take that question and, and we're going to continue this discussion here because I think it's more than just an individual receiver against an individual secondary player. I think Alabama's secondary has had some struggles, Eric, but I go back to last year. I mean, Tennessee got people open. You know, They created confusion in the Alabama secondary. Tennessee does some really hard stuff. Um, the, for for teams to defend, I, I thought you know they they've clearly felt like they could take Brew McCoy and stack him in this game and, and get him w- with the safety on the slant, and that's something that they that they wore out. That's not something we'd seen Tennessee run a ton of slants with Brew McCoy, right? New wrinkle in the game. You mentioned the Utah pass, um, just different things that they that they do. I mean, at, at the end of the half. Um, Hendon Hooker missed it, but but um, they, they analyzed it on the TV coverage. I mean, the, the LSU safeties were split outside the hash. The middle of the field was so wide open. No. And they set that up with a little motion for Princeton Fant to come right down across the middle on a crosser in the middle of the field. And he was wide open. It was a missed play, but it was set up perfectly by the way that they had manipulated uh, LSU's secondary. So the question in this game is how much can they manipulate Alabama's secondary? Nick Saban's an old secondary coach. He takes pride in what his DBs do. Josh Heupel and Alex Golish take a lot of pride in being able to get guys wide open. I I think it's going to be a great matchup if Tennessee's old line can hold up and give Hendon Hooker some time because I I think it's going to be fascinating the chess match of of trying to, to, to manipulate both sides of the ball or to m- manipulate Alabama's secondary and try to get them open.
0: This is on the text line that you can't see right now, but got a buddy chiming in saying, hey, the four-minute offense, boy, that was an eight-minute and 27-second offense there in the fourth quarter. Tennessee just iced it away. What a difference a week makes. Now, again, Tennessee had a big lead. It wasn't necessarily the same stakes as it was against Florida, but learning how to ice, I thought they looked – so much more comfortable this week doing that, and maybe that's because you were up 24 points or whatever the case was. That looked good in the fourth quarter, that four-minute offense, slowing some things down compared to the last time we saw it, which was Florida, and it just kind of looked awkward a little bit. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they,
1: they were much more comfortable in managing the play clock, getting in and out of the huddle. You didn't feel like getting, you know, getting out of the huddle that it was a situation where it's like they're not going to get the playoff no. type deal. Um, they got there and got set and got themselves a chance what I liked about this one, and I think LSU helped them a little bit here, but they did a really good job of hooking the end. And so the run plays in that drive were not just, Hey, we're going to run in the a gap where you can load up and hit us just to milk the clock. They bounced a couple of those plays. They set up a couple of those, um, you know, to where they could get the corner on it. I thought they were more creative in the run game there than they were in the uh, Florida game to end the yeah. four minute drill. Yeah. And, and and I think that paid off. Now I think LSU was gassed and that probably helped them a little bit. Um, but, but I thought they were more creative with what they did in the run game uh, in that drive than they were in, in the play, um, you know, in, in the drive that that they had against Florida.
0: Adam wants to know how does the offensive line handle Will Anderson Jr. I don't know. That guy's the best player in the country. No clue. It's going to be a challenge, much like B.J. Ojalary was a challenge and Ollie Gay um, you know, Tennessee did, you know, pretty well against them. Uh, of course, Anderson Jr. is a different type of player. Uh, you know, we'll we'll assess it as the week goes on, but that's going to be a challenge for Tennessee. And, and one other one I want to get in before we get to Austin Price, uh, Carter wants to know, obviously, uh, about Cedric Tillman. I, I think that's going to be a thing to wear, much like last week, see what it looks like as the week goes on. Uh, you know, medical staff, and he will continue to evaluate that. He's in much better shape now than what he was this time last week and the week before obviously but Brent I still think that's going to be very much a game time decision for Cedric Tillman and hey if Tennessee doesn't have them they're going to roll out with what they've done the last two weeks and nothing's going to change in terms of their attacking mentality. Yeah
1: no doubt about that and, and, and I think there's going to be a lot of assumption nationally throughout the week that Tillman's going to be back. I think that's premature. No. I'm not saying he won't get back but I think that's way up in the air right now. I don't think that's any kind of given at all. I know how much Cedric wants to play in this game. Not that he didn't want to play in the LSU game, but he really wants to play in this one. I think he's kind of earmarked this one as his first realistic shot at getting back. But I don't think it's a given that that he's going to get back. Now, if he can't go in this one, you set him till Kentucky and he should be no fully healed. So that'll be something that the medical staff will, will deal with. He is running a little bit. He's in a shoe. Um, he's not in a boot all the time. So that's a positive thing. And real quickly on Anderson before we get a break, I was a little surprised last night in that Texas A&M game, Alabama blitzing as much as they blitzed in that football game, particularly the, in the fourth quarter and on that last drive. They, they, did, they didn't drop and play much coverage at all, Eric. I mean, it was a full-blown attack mode, um, which was a little surprised to me because it kind of gave you the feeling they weren't sure they could get home with their front. Um, you know, and so I was surprised they were, they blitzed as much as they did. They blitzed a whole lot in that game. Now, I know they wanted to try to disrupt Haynes King and, yeah. and get to him, and they knocked him around a good bit. That's what
0: I think it was more about, just making they him make a bad lot. decision.
1: Now, that leaves one-on-ones, and if you can get the ball out there, you're going to give yourself a chance with those corners. If you can hold, the, if you can hold up just enough um, from a pressure standpoint, you're going to have a chance to win down the field because you're going to play a lot of man coverage and a lot of one-on-ones if they're going to blitz that much.
0: Yep, and we'll continue to talk about it all week, Tennessee and Alabama. But first, some more thoughts on Tennessee LSU and some recruiting news for Tennessee. We'll get awesome price on uh, here in 60 seconds when we return right here on the Rocky Top Rewind. Welcome back into it. This is the Rocky Top Rewind Fall Quest on the YouTube channel every single Sunday night at 8 o'clock. Appreciate you guys for being here. Austin awesome, Bryce, joining the show. And, and Austin, I want to start off by uh, asking you about a comment you made in the two-minute drill in on the postgame podcast because I couldn't agree with you anymore. You know, uh, us, everybody really needs to start treating Tennessee like the top ten team that it is because it's playing like it and it's earned it. Uh, you know, what, what made you kind of come up with that?
1: He listened to me, not that I gave him that idea, but he listened to me talk about all the warts and all the problems of the years past. And so he said, here's my chance to take a swipe at hubs without mentioning his name, but he's absolutely right. Austin.
3: Yeah. It was during the broadcast when they were giving you, you know, hell on the board for, you know, you know, Oh, they've come back. They've, I mean, they've come back. Hubs. There's one minute to go and they're up 30. They've come back before. Um, (laughs) <laughs> you know I, I mean listen i mean like oh, you're I, right no, you're become, right we all become prisoners of what we're surrounded by and for the last 15 years um i personally and a lot of others that cover this beat have been surrounded by a lot of bad a lot of uh, crazy a lot of mind-bogglingly numb you know different scenarios that have played out to end with a lot of uh, heartache and heartbreak for Tennessee fans. And so, you know, I think, you know, it's just kind of time to say, you know, I mean, this is a good football team. I mean, you know, I think when Gerald Mincy didn't play, I think in my mind, I was like, well, it's going to be bad. He's going to get sacked 74 times and Tennessee's not going to get passes off. And next thing you know, I mean, two guys stepped in that haven't played a whole lot of football and did pretty well. And The defensive line continues to uh, play really well against the run. they were able to get home and, you know, get some sacks and affect uh, Jaden Daniels. So at that point, I'm like, you know, we can't get caught up in the negative of everything and what could go wrong, and just let it play out and see what happens. And, you know, I think that's kind of where I'm at with this team is just let them keep playing. I mean, why can't they beat Alabama? Even if even if even if Bryce Young plays, why can't they beat Alabama? Texas, you know sit there and pushed Alabama to the end? Why can't Tennessee?
1: No, I think you're exactly right. And, and I I mean, I heard you listen to that comment and, and I, I mean, I think you nailed it. And I think part of the deal with me is because of the 15 years you pick scabs, right? It's kind of like, it's kind of like an NFL scout, Eric, looking at a, a, you know, a top draft pick, right. And the longer you look at him and all of a sudden, his index finger is a little bit too short or his hand, you know, his hand's not yeah,
0: wide poor enough. Poor bone or, density. Poor right, bone density. <laughs> poor bone density. You're or, going to find something that you don't yeah, like. You're you, going to convince yourself that you yeah, see Yeah, you
1: you pick every scab known to man that you can to the point that, that it's become, well, they can't get it done. And and I don't know if Tennessee is going to beat Alabama, but Austin's right. Why can they not beat Alabama? And and I think that's something that um, it, it's, it, it is time to recognize that, this team has nothing to do with what's happened in the last fifteen years. This team is about this team, and through five games, it's been a good football team. Uh, and you know, Saturday, they played their they played their best in all phases of the game.
3: Well, I go back to just believing, and, and, and I think that goes, you know, what Josh Heupel has done is is instilled in these kids a belief. They've bought in. They're having fun. Um, they embrace it. They and Huck, they, you know, they, they just wrap their arms around the moment. You know, they, they, there's no blocking it out and sticking your head in the sand. You know, he talked about that. You know, after the Florida game, you know, I think Mike. He said what he said. I think my experience as a player helps in these scenarios or whatever he said. And I think he's right. You know, I mean, they 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 don't shy away from it. They know that you know game base coming to town, SEC nation's coming to town. It's going to be you know a madhouse around here all week long, especially once we get to Friday and uh you know they i think they welcome
1: it yeah and and again the coach rips it eric i mean what put in whatever you believe will work and let's run it and and yeah. it's not you know it's it's not of well we can't do that or or make sure you know, there's <laughs> just no hesitancy there there's just a lot of well just let it go play let it play and and rip it and see what happens you you wrote about it this afternoon and it's right i enjoy this
3: i mean if you're a Tennessee fan man we covering the team fans that have sat through it you just enjoy you know a good game you enjoy a good atmosphere you enjoy the moment and and look i I think tennessee's playing with house money here alabama's gonna come in and they'll come in motivated because they're gonna hear all week about how tennessee's undefeated and tennessee 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 they'll come in and give tennessee everything and then some but at the end of the day tennessee's playing with house money here like you know, they still control their destiny in the East to get to Atlanta. Even if they lose this game, it has no bearing on Tennessee's ability to get to Atlanta, you know? So like you're, you're, to me, this is a bonus game for Tennessee. If you win it, I mean, it'll be unreal. It, it, whatever the Florida game was times 50, like yeah. it will be that, will be that game between the cigar smoke and who knows what kind of shenanigans end up on that field. If they beat Alabama, but if they don't and they lose to Alabama by two or three scores, hey, it's okay. You're five and one through the first half of the season. You're taking that and running all the way to the bank uh, every time. And so do you have UT Martin next week, then Kentucky, a team again that you should beat? Uh, you know, Tennessee's better than every team on the schedule except for Georgia and Alabama. And those are games that now they can win. Nine and three is the floor, and that's if you know everything goes wrong for Tennessee and, and at that point they're going to the Citrus Bowl I think 10 and 2 and the New Year 6 is what Tennessee should be at this point and anything better than that then whew, man you'll be back on a Bourbon Street be. AP what'd you
0: say yeah it could be back on Bourbon Street
3: yeah we'll make sure, this time we'll make sure Eric Kane holds one of those you know 24 feet pythons <laughs> and and uh you know See what happens.
0: Yeah, yeah, probably not gonna do that. But I, I always go back to this as well. And I mean, obviously, it's a team sport, and and you know, to be the team like Alabama, you're gonna have to play some good defense. And you know, uh, special teams will need to step up and you know make a play for you. I know it made a couple of plays for you against LSU. But again, if you have a quarterback that is is good and can let it rip and protects the football, but is not um, is mindful of the football, takes some chances, but also isn't gonna just put it in harm's way. And that's what Hendon Hooker is you know you're going to have a chance in a game like this. I mean, Tennessee, of course, you you would go back and look at the past games against the Big 3 and Tennessee was a one-score game in the fourth quarter, yada yada, but still lost by, you know, 25 plus or whatever it was. Um I just think Tennessee when you have a guy like Hooker at quarterback and this offense the way it's humming, you are going to give yourself a chance. Now, something I will be on the lookout for and of course we'll talk about it as the week goes on against Georgia, against Alabama. Uh, you know, against Florida a little bit, you couldn't run the football, you know, couldn't run the football and Tennessee will need to run the football. And I think we have a better idea of what this run game is. Now they put up over 200 against Florida and LSU. Does that mean they're going to do that against Alabama? I'm not saying that, but the run game, the non Hendon hooker run game will still as always need to be important in a games like this to allow Hendon to go out there and do just that Brent and just let it rip.
1: Yeah. Remember this too, a year ago though, Austin, there was no Hendon hooker run game, bad knee, you know they couldn't. They couldn't do it. They were trying to survive at right tackle um, with, with Dane Davis, who had not played a lot of football. Really limited some of the things that they could do. That they, they played that Alabama game with some pretty good offensive limitations, and, and still had it a, a, a football game midway through the third quarter. And, and I think one score
3: game going to the fourth.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I, I think that that Tennessee. I think the players take confidence from that. You know, and, and I think Eric's right. You take confidence from the fact that you got a quarterback who you feel like can can do anything against anybody in this system. I agree. Uh,
3: you know, ultimately, I just think that it, the team really just has got a, a, such a buy-in. I think Darnell and the offensive lineman buy into Ellerby. I think the defensive lineman have bought into Garodney. I think the whole team's bought into Hype. I mean, I, I think there's just such a belief system and a, a trickle-down effect. And then when you throw in that, you're right. When you're good at quarterback, it just cures a lot of ills. I mean, you look around college football. I mean, yeah, they you know, had a chance and they, you know, they just get crappy quarterback play. Even a couple of plays they did make, it was just, you know, Evan Stewart going up and just being a, being a dude. Right. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, Haynes King was up there just dropping dimes. Um, I, I think, you know, for me, the key in this football game, and I know we're, you know, we got a couple of minutes left is going to be blocking. And I don't mean at the, I don't mean on the offensive line. I think it's gonna be key how Tennessee blocks at wide receiver in this game.
0: The perimeter. Had a
3: couple of penalties uh, yesterday, blocking the back, hold. They Just teeter. They, can do that. they can't do that in this game. They've got they've got to be really, really clean in that regard. Cause I think they're going to use that quick game to keep Will Anderson off of Hendon Hooker. I mean, they'll take some deep shots, but I think for the most part, they'll 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 use that quick game and they can't get those penalties and all of a sudden be playing at second and twenty-two and things like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, they, they teeter on that line. They hug that line every single game. It's about if the ball is thrown before or behind or in front of the line of scrimmage. If it's thrown behind, you can go out there and block. You know, those quick p- passing games. You remember Cedric Tillman last year, Bayless Jones last year, uh, even Javante Payton, a couple of those at Kentucky. You know, those quick, you know, screens out to the wide receivers get up and go. Um, if it's behind the line, you can go out there and block. If it's in front of the line, you can. not Sometimes you throw it right at the line, and maybe it should have been behind the line. You got Bruce McCoy out there blocking, and that's why you get flagged. Uh, but Tennessee is going to continue to do that. But you need, as, as you pointed out, you don't need to have penalties on yourself because, of course, that can come back and get you. Um, one other thing I want to I want to mention, Tennessee has been so good against the run. Jameer Gibbs, a challenge. Of course, Bryce Young's probably going to play in this football game. But if not, the backup quarterback is a load. Mm-hmm. Brent, how do you like Tennessee's uh, rush defense against a good team and a good offensive line like Alabama?
1: Well, again, you go, I think it goes back to tackling you, 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 you know, cause in this game, if you miss a tackle, it, it, it may be a house call, right? I mean, if you, if you miss a, a tackle on the edge with Jameer Gibbs, you know, as we saw in the Arkansas game, he just run away from everybody. So I think how Tennessee tackles defensively uh, will, will be really important in this game. Uh, they, they've done a good job, not giving up those home runs. Um, they they got to not give up home runs in this one. And um so, so we'll see. I, I think to, to defend the run, they've got to do what they've been doing. Uh, but this is a guy who will pop it outside. They haven't played a ton of guys who want to bounce, Austin. Jameer Gibbs has no problem bouncing. So Tennessee's going to have to be really good tackling off the edge.
3: No, I mean, Tennessee, Tennessee can hope that, you know, he, he thinks that because he's at Neyland, he has to backpedal when he runs. <laughs> that's because <right>. that's <laughs> what he worked out as. Because Jim Chaney wanted him to play corner. I don't think he's a running back in the corner let's work him out of corner
0: d.a Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah well he's pretty good running back now and uh, hopefully tennessee will uh, get the better of him next week when the volunteers take on the top ranked in one of the polls the top ranked crimson tide of alabama of course we're gonna have plenty of coverage breaking that all week down at valkwest.com if you're not a member already one dollar for one year no better time than right now it's a top 10 matchup we're going to have continual coverage at the front side on the General's quarters all week long. And of course, like this video, get, help it get 500 likes and support the show and support the site on YouTube as well. Uh, Logan, my grandfather graduated from Duke. That's why I have the stuffed animal. Michael, the brave stuff is never coming down. World <laughs> champs. <chance. laughs> Atlanta Braves looking for a repeat. We'll be back for the Sunday night, re- the sun, the Rocky Top Rewind mm-hmm. next week to rewind and look at Alabama. But all week long, we'll discuss it at VolQuest.com. For awesome Price and Brent Hubbs, I'm Eric Kane. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here on this Sunday night. This has been the Rocky Top Rewind. Step into
2: the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com.